Welcome to The Builder Seat, a Roblin Contracting Incorporated podcast, shining a light on the people of Roblin, our partners, our exceptional projects, our culture, and core values we uphold every day. Enjoy the show. Welcome to The Builder Seat podcast. In last episode, we spoke with Andrew McLean, the vice president of the healthcare market segment. If you haven't checked out that episode, definitely follow the Builder Seat so you can get caught up to the past episodes that we have. We are available on all major streaming brands. This week, we're speaking with Dan Pology. He is our director of the perimeter security team here at Roblin Contracting. Well, welcome. Thank you. Good yeah. to be here. Good. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, there's a lot for us to talk about. I think for our listeners to know a little bit, Dan and I became friends after I got here at, uh, at Roblin. We probably didn't even know each other the first year, you know, like we ran across each other, all that kind of stuff. And then we had this awesome adventure that we'll talk about later, probably one of the most memorable kind of fun things you can do. And it was great to get to know Dan better over this like huge adventure journey that we went through a couple of states to drive and and come back on. And since then, I think we've gotten to know each other even better. And it's just amazing to see how you've grown this new market segment here at Roblin. So I know we're going to get into that, but let's get started to talk a little bit about your history in construction. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it's been a long one. It's something that didn't really dawn on me till about a year ago. Uh, my dad was giving me some documents and historical items from our family. And one of the things that was in there was a copy of my great grandfather's death certificate. And on that, you know, it listed his occupation carpenter. And that's when it really sunk in to me, you know, how long my family has been involved with construction. So I questioned my dad a lot, how he got started, how my grandpa got started, my great-grandfather, and and even my great-grandfather, which does go back to be the fifth, you know, generation of, that's as far back as we are, as far as genealogy, and who knows, I mean, maybe I'm seventh generation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really interesting to find out. I know um, my dad told me it skipped a generation. He went into engineering, but my grandfather also was on the architectural and engineering side and more in the architecture side and kind of taught that too. And it's very cool to find out. It's kind of like a family lineage thing. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. My family is, you know, the name Pology. People see it. They, they want to, where's that from? You know, and we've traced it back to Hungary, Borders, that type of thing. My my great-grandfather, as much as we can tell, was an architect. And when he migrated to the United States, he couldn't speak the language. So they made him a carpenter. And he knew construction and started building. That evolved into my grandfather and my uncles. All came through the trades. My grandfather was a, a big builder down in Southern California building Stater Brothers grocery stores was their big, big thing. And they actually ran a lot of them, GM'd them, as well as built them. Oh, that's really cool. Well, that's, uh, it's really neat that like kind of everybody, you know, carried the torch and in this case, carried the hammer and continued in construction and has continued to make it better and better. Because as you've seen, and I'm sure as your father's even seen, this industry has changed generation onward and onward. Yeah, I think that's been one of the neatest things for me. We, most of our construction has been residential with my father and my uncle. And when I first got on a couple of Roblin jobs and the just the size of things 
with some of the things that we do. I'd go home and call them and you guys wouldn't believe what I did today or where I was at today, you know, and it was just really exciting. That's great. That's great to connect on that. Yeah. How long have you been here with Roblin? This will be five years in September. All right. So I'm, I'm getting close to, to number five. Coming up. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Early congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. So you've uh, developed this new market segment with the help of many here at Roblin. I know that this has been a long time coming, but it's been forming and forming and forming into, I'm going to say, successful you know group, a very well-geared group across the company. Everybody knows that primary security team works very well with themselves and with every client you get an opportunity to work with. So tell us more about that. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride so far. We started small, just one of our self-performed divisions. And, you know, the opportunity came up for me to jump into the role. And, you know, I was I kind of asked, what do you guys want me to do? And they kind of said, well, make it what you want, you know. And so we kind of put together a little game plan of, of what that would take. And we knew we had a lot of work in front of us. We had a, a fairly large client that had several projects kind of lined up and it was either Roblin does it or we use trade partners and we'd rather take as much of that work as we could. So definitely went and hired some extra guys that had great industry experience. Not only that, they're good guys, fit into the culture really well. You know, from there, we just kind of built on it week by week, you know, constantly trying to improve and being humble and, you know, just taking advice. And it's one of the great things about Roblin. There's a lot of smart people here that know construction and leaning on those people for advice and opinions and ideas. It's it's not just one person, it's everybody making it, making it run. Oh, that's, that's really good. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that your team has really morphed over the last year or two, just the efficiency and, you know, the way that you gear up for a project and the way you move through a project is just, it's calculated. The word I've been trying to use more and more is orchestrated. It's just like any other orchestrated piece of music is, you know, you have the ability to kind of conduct, you know, from start to finish this like ensemble of of people together and everybody's got their tools. And when you're playing in harmony, that's why you get that orchestra. So it's uh, it's pretty amazing how well everybody works together. And for others who might be kind of new to the idea of perimeter security, you know, you handle, and the team for that matter, handle a variety of perimeter security type of projects. I mean, everything from light duty security, like chain link fences and whatnot, all the way up to pretty heavy duty stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, I think that's been one of the most exciting things about my group is their ability to adapt. Our client has changing specifications all the time and we could either adapt to that or we could watch others build it and we've done a lot of work with adapting to those new security measures that they're trying to put in place like precast walls different types of ornamental fencing different gates different gate operators all that stuff and and we've you know, we've researched, we've trained, and now we're executing it. It's funny that just today I got a call and they've got a fourth new material that they'd like us to bid on. So that could be the next thing, which is a, a non-conductive fence material. So Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Well, and talking a little bit about training and engaging the crews and training, I noticed you've trained on new materials. And maybe that's something a lot of folks don't realize, but in construction, you know, there, it's a evolving process of continuing education. You can't just say that you've been in the industry for five years and that's great or 10 years and that's great. No, if you're not keeping up with the new materials, the new methods, manufacturers, 
you're going to get left behind quick, right? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of our partners, it's been really nice because they're very open to new ideas. And, you know, we go to trade shows yearly and learn about what's coming out new. There's a lot of education events at those trade shows. I try to bring a couple of my guys to the trade shows to attend those events. I think they get a lot out of it. They, they definitely learn a lot of skills that maybe you wouldn't learn in the field as well. Yeah. Yeah, true. You got to learn from the pros and, and the folks that are actually you know bringing that material to market. So Dan, tell me, as this market segment has been growing, there have been quite a few different exciting projects. And I know that you know we can't talk about all of them sometimes or which client, but I'm sure there was a, a memorable or exciting installation that you were able to go through. And I think there was one pretty recently. So I was kind of curious to hear from you what that was. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest one that comes to my mind, and hopefully it's the same one, just let me know if, if, if it's something different. We just completed a 22-foot uh, tall, 77-foot long gate for a substation in downtown Sacramento. I can't take much of the credit for it. Our Station G team did a fantastic job just orchestrating with the client and the engineers and then our field teams, which just did a fantastic job putting it all together. We had a local vendor do a lot of the work, uh, just a lot of back and forth. And this thing's just amazing. It, it's it's really cool looking. Evidently, it's uh, under power as of this week. The uh, access control people are doing all their work and it's moving back and forth. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, that's the one. I was, you know, and the thing most people don't realize again when it comes to this is that you know, you think perimeter security, the first thing somebody thinks about is chain link fence, barbed wire, that kind of thing. But it's more than that. It's ornamental. You know, it sets the stage for the uh, environment around it. You can't have a big razor wire fence in the middle of downtown Sacramento. That's not going to look too great. But, you know, having something that actually sets the stage around the building, it is the first face that somebody sees when they're looking at a building. So there's a lot of pride to be had in a great installation of perimeter security. Yeah, no, that's a lot of these sites are were sites built in the 60s or 70s. And it's the existing chain link fence from that era. When we give it a little facelift, put some nice black ornamental fencing around it, it definitely brings up the neighborhood, provides them with better security, which again will help the neighborhood if you don't have that kind of riffraff floating around trying to get into places. It gives the employees that work at these sites, you know, a better appreciation for where they work too because they see that this money's being put. And a lot of it is on their safety. You know, people think it's to protect the equipment or the materials that are inside these facilities. But a lot of this is, you know, we sit in these design meetings. It's, it really revolves around the employee's safety and making sure they feel secure if they're there after hours. And it's really great to be a part of that. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it really is. So we're going to switch gears a little bit and we're going to talk about healthy work environments and also kind of keeping everybody happy. And so I'm going to start off by bringing up the most recent kind of uh, Roblin Keeping Families Happy event, which was the rib cook-off at Placer County Fairgrounds. So I wanted to hear about um, what was your experience there. And then I want to hear a little bit more about your take on uh, healthy work environments. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's kind of funny. We're going to talk about barbecue ribs as a healthy work environment. Um, we got involved with this uh, last year. Um with Roblin being such a big sponsor of the fairgrounds. It was the first annual rib cook-off they were doing, and they asked us to support. They were a little low on contestants. 
And we thought, what the heck? Yeah, we'll go out and have a good time. And so a, a group of us got together last year and we show up. There's some pretty nice looking rigs with the big smokers and the trailers and, you know, all this stuff and restaurant cookery stuff and top grade everything, you know. And here we are with our little tent and our gas grill. But we put some stuff together and we made a homemade sauce right there on the site, dressed up the ribs in one of our employees eloquently called our, our job site recipe. Ended up bringing home second place in year one, and we were just floored, you know, and to have that many people appreciate what we did. And so we were just pumped up. So fast forward to this year, words got out, competition much better this year. We knew right away it was going to be different. But uh, there we were again with our uh, little setup, gas grill. I mean, professional as always, but made a lot of people happy. We had a great time. Did not play second, but You know, one of the neat things about it is last year, one of the employees that was with us really came close to having a a medical emergency with heat illness. It was scary. It's a very real thing right now for our workers, and we talk about it every week. And so this year at the Rib Cook-Off, she put together this fantastic little educational poster board. And, you know, we had a little cooling station for just the general public to come pop under the tent get a cold beverage and uh, cool themselves off. So that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. That's a really good way to show everybody that we care and we really mean it. And I know we take heat exhaustion very seriously here. You know, it is definitely a part of our weekly safety calls. And I know that any day that's over a threshold, we've already got the teams geared up and ready to go with ice water and and, and all the other things that we need to make sure that everybody's happy and healthy. So no, that's really good. Uh, I hope people don't miss it next year because I know we're going to go back and I know the competition is going to be fierce. Maybe this year or this upcoming next time around, maybe we'll we'll change up the gas grill. Maybe so. It's kind of something that we we joke about. You know, we kind of call it dad's ribs and, you know, from the backyard. Right. But not everybody likes a smoked rib. Yeah. And uh, we are providing something different. That's true. And um, But yeah, we'll we'll throw in some secrets next year. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, maybe the gas grill's the trademark. <laughs> no, I like that. So then talk a little bit more about, well, healthy work environments on site, kind of keeping families happy. Yeah, I think, I mean, that really starts with day-to-day interactions with our people. I think we all wish we can be out in the field more interacting with the crews, but you know, we have a weekly fence meeting. We like to have a little fun at the meeting, but we, you know, always have some serious topics. We get updates from the guys. I feel really strongly about being positive, and I know almost everyone else I run into here at Roblin feels the same way, which is a, a huge part of our culture, and I think it's really reflected in our workers. You know, they feel appreciated. They They feel that you're genuine when you talk to them, that you're not just you know, some guy coming down to the office to tell them what to do. You you actually care about them. I always try to take interest in their personal lives. And, and I think everybody does that here. You definitely, you see that and it makes a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, it absolutely does. And yeah, that's right. You do have to take uh, an interest in what everybody does here, even if it's not the thing you do, but somebody's passionate about it. And that's the important part is it's important that we like to share our passions and we recognize that we have those things, no matter how they might differ. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know when you might, hey, I can jump in and help you with that, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and then there's the random connection that you can just kind of make peripherally. And I would say that that's the start of the story that I was bringing up there was, sure. you know, Dan and I were talking in the hallway pretty much. I told him, 
I bought a uh, I bought a car for five hundred bucks. I'm going to drive it to Oregon, and I'm going to go do this giant rally race trash pickup, clean up the forest, kind of pound around and have some fun. And Dan goes, uh, "Sign me up." when do I need to buy my car and when are we going? And I went, oh, I, I didn't know you wanted to do that. And oh yeah, no, let's let's do it. And um, that was awesome. So we did the Gambler 500 up in Oregon. It was a, a great memory, awesome time to go do it. Great benefit basically to go up there and actually kind of clean up the roads a little and still have a lot of fun doing it. I think we drummed up a little bit of support for doing another one in the next couple of years. Words definitely got around. Who knows? Maybe we'll get to return next year. Yeah, I, th- I I know for a fact we'd be surprised if we went back up there because it's exploded. Yeah. Um, as far as people going to that event, and uh, that was a, a a cool event on many levels. Um, not only to to share it with you and get to know your crew, but take my son. Yeah. And um, and you built the car together. And we built the car together, and nothing like having a, a an adventure like that with one of your your children and. You know, he's a, a grown man now, but, you know, we we still had a good time and, uh, you know, memories. Yeah, it really is. And uh, and that's the thing, right? Again, we, we share those passions. We get to talk about them. Everybody gets to uh, sort of bring their family to work because, after all, again, we are the second family over here anyway. So, Dan, with five generations of builders in your family history, I'm sure that there's some generational stories about how construction was. You talked about how it's changed. and Well, how was it? And what, what have you learned? Yeah, well, what was neat uh, in in preparing for coming on the podcast, I had talked to my dad, and he's 78 years old and trying to retire, but still likes to be in the business, and he still has some projects out there that he's doing. And we reflected back in a couple things, and I asked him some questions, mostly about my grandfather. My grandfather was a cook in World War II. I believe he was in a Navy, on a Navy ship mm-hmm. as a cook, mm-hmm. and... Immediately getting out of the war, he got his contractor's license in 1947. And one of the neat stories he always told me is when my my grandfather was a teenager, at the time they were building Hoover Dam. And the Hoover Dam, I mean, most people think about it right now. Yeah, it's a big dam and Colorado River and all that kind of stuff. But back when it was being built, it was one of the biggest things happening in the world. It's so exciting that you would read a little snippet about it in the newspaper or whatever. He got a group of guys together. One of his friends had a brand new station wagon. They all hopped in the station wagon, drove from Southern California all the way out to where the Hoover Jam still sits. Mm-hmm. And just a, they they kind of popped out on the top of a hill and looked down upon, you know, the construction happening. And I think that's probably where his zest for the the construction life probably started, you know, and then he had to do his his term in the war and made it through that and came back and became a contractor. My father was a fireman and he didn't really want to stay being a fireman. And my my mom's father, so my other grandfather, uh, knew a lot about construction and taught my dad a lot and kind of fostered that, that construction thing. And he started building spec homes with my mom's dad in 1968. I said, well, what was the best lesson you learned from grandpa? And he said, well, we would pull nails and then he would have me straighten those nails and then we would use them again. Again, this is, you know, men that are out of the depression. My grandfather was a 16-year-old kid in the depression and joined the army illegally just to get food. 
So every little piece of scrap of everything was super precious to them. Sure, yeah. A long time ago in this industry that you had to keep a nail, but I think that was a different era of construction where you really thought ahead and planned ahead. Every time you drove a nail, you even wondered if you had to, right? Are we fastening this the most economical way, the most efficient way? And I think with surplus and abundance and high volume manufacturing, things have changed a little bit. We've changed our attitude towards things, but I think we're swinging back now. I I would agree. I mean, you know, even there for the longest time, labor was even cheap. So you didn't worry about productivity. Hey, just throw three more guys on it. And now with, you know, lean manufacturing and a lot of that stuff that is actually coming from the manufacturing world and entering the construction world, you know, you're going to see more of that, those efficiencies. And a lot of our clients are, are really interested in what our waste is going to be at the end of a job and how we're going to take care of that and what we will be recycling. And now, these are all things to help us be better humans on this earth and why we're here. And it's good stuff to be a part of, for sure. Yeah, it really is. And and yeah, that's right. Sustainability has been our, our forefront and it's going to continue to be our frontier for a little while now. Yeah. So an- another little story. I, this, is, this is maybe a story about when my dad was questioning whether or not I was fit for construction. A buddy of mine were working for my dad during the summer in between school years. And he was building this three-story lake house and a really nice place. We met him down there in the morning and there were all these cinder blocks at the very bottom right next to the lake. And he said, hey, I need you to haul these up. Well, this is a, probably a 20% incline, three-story house, so probably 150 feet up this hill, you know, to the top. So being a young kid, not really wanting to make 500 trips up and down this hill, we thought, well, heck, there's a lake right here. It's just a cinder block. It's not going to hurt anything. Let's just see if we can throw half of them out in the lake. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty brainy at that point. So, you know, about 3.30 rolls along and my dad comes back to check on us. And little do we know, you know, he, he pops right out on the top floor, which has a beautiful deck overlooking this lake. And he's staring right down in this little cove. And he can see every single one of these bricks. And uh, so he, he called us up and said, hey, guys, uh, you want to take a look at what's going on over here? <laughs> pointed, pointed us over the, over the railing, and uh, we looked down. And you want us to go get those, right, Dad? <laughs> so we spent uh, the next day for free mm-hmm. digging the cinder blocks out of the lake oh, and man. hauling them up the hill. So yeah. great lesson. And, yeah, that was uh, definitely a day that he wondered if I was ever going to be a, a contractor with him. Great free diving training. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing what we learn in the years kind of growing up in and around the industry. It certainly makes for good memories. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we laugh about it now, so that's good. Things things straightened out. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, you turned out all right, Dan. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) So uh, like we do on uh, the builder's seat, we have a little wrap-up segment called What's on Your Heart? Kind of uh, what's on your mind, but really, you know, how you feeling these days and what do you want to share with our Roblin family? Yeah, you know, I, I think the best thing to share is just gratefulness. Taking some time. Our lives are really busy. And, you know, we've had a, a busy couple of weeks. We've had a busy couple of months, you know, that's it just kind of steamrolls. And, you know, take some time once in a while to enjoy your families, have a laugh with a fellow employee, be thankful for, for where we're at right now and, mm-hmm. you know, 
the lives we have. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very true to be thankful. And yeah, you know, the world's changing, time's changing, but what is guaranteed is today, right? Tomorrow's not guaranteed, as many may say. Best we can do is be thankful for what we have and who we have and, and let them know. Absolutely. Yeah. And for that, I thank you, Dan. Appreciate you sharing your stories. Thank you for having me. This has been great. To everybody out there listening, all of our Roblin family, as well as all of our industry family, thanks for taking the time again to listen to The Builder Seat. We want to hear from you. Reach out to us anytime if there's any kind of ideas that you have, something that you'd like to hear about. We're going to continue on telling more stories of our family here in this industry. Until next time. Today's episode is produced and edited by Roblin's digital media specialist, Aaron Zaragoza. Hosted by Director of Strategic Operations, Hitesh Dewan. Original music by Superintendent of Concrete, Rich Collenberg. With music production by J.K. Northrop. Thank you for listening to The Builder Seat.